This is Mid-Missouri's Total Sports Station. KTGR, and it's time to get big. That was a big-time answer right there. You've got the big show with Andy and Brent serving up sports talk from Mizzou to the pros. And everything in between. Join us now on the KTGR hotline and sound off on today's biggest stories in sports. The big show starts now. You bet it does. Welcome in to this Monday edition of the big show. On ESPN 100.5 and 105.1 KTGR, your total sports station in Mid-Missouri. Thanks for tuning in online at KTGR.com and on the KTGR app. It's Andy Humphrey, Brendan Schaefer, and producer Chris. Back from the long weekend. How's everybody's Thanksgiving? Hey, everybody. Good coleslaw good. this year, Brendan. Was it good? I had some coleslaw, some KFC coleslaw. It it hit the spot, maybe. So did you get it like the day of, or did you like go on like Wednesday no, and just keep it in the no, fridge? No, no, no. You have to, I believe my aunt picked it up, but you have to go before every year. You have to go the day before because they're not, I don't believe they're right? open. Yeah. yeah, I don't believe they are on Thanksgiving. Uh, so you do have to plan ahead a little bit, but uh, there were multiple family members at the ready asking that they, hey, do we need to go out and get it? Oh, no, you've got the coleslaw. Okay, we're good. Yeah, so there were no issues there. Had an awesome meal. Uh, celebrated another family Thanksgiving on Saturday. Uh, celebrated with a lot of uh, pig product on Friday. That was ah. uh, I, I didn't I wasn't eating any of it, but the the Missouri oh. Tigers certainly were uh, were feasting. If Some you know what I'm saying. Pulled pork on your Friday. You ate right it after kidding. the uh, right after the Thanksgiving meal. Man, Mizzou finished out the regular season in big fashion. We'll talk about it here in a few minutes. And at 5.05, we ask of you, fan of the 10-2 and Missouri Tiger football team, what bowl do you want to go to? Who do you want to play in a bowl game? Most, like, most bowl. likely a New Year's Six. The Red Box bowl. Coming up, the Red Box Bowl. Remember that? Oh, no, man, that I think something. I think that's where Ole Miss is heading, and they're oh, not too wow. happy about it. Yeah, so yeah, Probably not. Well, uh, Sour grapes. We'll, we'll talk about what bowl you want know. to go to. At uh, at five oh five, we'll talk some Chiefs as well. They got in uh, another resounding win themselves, getting back into the win column after uh, Monday Night Football last week. And yeah. it wasn't uh, looking all that great through the first quarter, was it? No, it wasn't. And I was actually joining producer Chris on the text chain this weekend. Just, I mean, some absolutely deplorable thoughts about the Chiefs. Uh, <laughs> they turned it around. So, you know, yeah. all's well that ends well, I suppose. <laughs> but but, so but the texts live on still, and we'll get, we will still... get to them coming up at 525. Oh, Brendan might be uh, joining the same kind of uh, shame train hey, that Chris has been on. The shame train, I'll own up to it, but I was financially backing the Chiefs this week, so okay, I was a little yeah, bit down in the dumps when that game started. Uh, we'll get to that. And also, the Cardinals are in the news today for My a big goodness. reason. There's so much happening. Busy, busy. Uh, yeah. Um, big free agent uh, pitcher signing that we'll get, talk about and what we think about it at 545. So you don't want to miss any of the show today. Oh, and by the way, Bill Connolly joins. I should have led with Bill Connolly. Like, honestly, he's the he's highlight of the show all the time. So uh, he's joining us at 425 to talk all things college football from the long college football weekend. And you can join us too, 875-KTGR. You can also tweet us at KTGR Big Show and find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash KTGR Big Show. Now the Big Show's Big Deal. Lots to get to, of course, but Mizzou is 10-2. That's the important thing is they 
really put it on Arkansas. Led 20 to nothing at the half, led 41 to nothing at the end of the third quarter. Eventually the final score was 48 to 14 in favor of the Tigers. Today Cody Schrader named co-offensive player of the week. He had 217 yards rushing for a season high. Also, Tristan Newson, co-defensive player of the week in the SEC, had a couple of fumble recoveries. And Jay Jernigan, who had the scoop and score in the third quarter, named the SEC defensive lineman of the week. Mizzou is 10-2 overall, 6-2 in the SEC to finish out the regular season. And they await their bowl matchup. They'll find out most likely on Sunday where the bowl game will be and against whom. And keep it tuned to KTGR for any and all updates. And that is... The Big Show's Big Deal on this 27th day of November 2023. Oh, man. It was so much fun to watch on Friday. Yes, yeah, just, just the fact that Mizzou turned on the Jets and did not look back. Look, I, Arkansas, they were banged up, and, and they lost K.J. Jefferson, and that's, and that's tough. Um, I don't think they were fit to win that game with or without him. No, it I did think so not either. seem that way at all. I mean... Yeah. Both lines of scrimmage. It was a, I mean, it was a dominating effort by Mizzou, and you could tell the trend of the game even before the KJ injury, which sucks, right? Like yeah. we're not cheering on a guy to to get hurt, a guy who's been with that program for a long time, and maybe that's his last game with Arkansas, right? So that's it's unfortunate that it had to go that way, but Mizzou dominated this game in every facet. Would the final score have been different if Jefferson had been healthy? Probably, but. I think Mizzou was winning this game regardless. As we saw all weekend, kind of, or or week, the spread inching further and further toward Missouri, and I thought, oh, my gosh, what do they know that we don't? I'm worried. How's this defense going to stand up? How are they going to react to maybe having uh, some deficiencies again at linebacker? Well, Tristan Newsom, I think, answered that question. He was everywhere in this football game. What a bounce-back performance by him and the linebackers in general. That's that's another major facet that that went into Missouri's favor with this one. Like, he had... 15 tackles and nobody else on Mizzou had more than six. They just kept calling his name all day, all day long. And he delivered, he had a couple uh, tackles for loss. And again, the the two fumble recoveries. I I think he had the last one at the very end. Uh, To to be quite honest with you, the game was kind of happening and uh, I'm kind of looking down, looking away because I know it's, it's decided and everything. But they have that last fumble recovery, and I don't even know how it happened. Like, I don't even know who fumbled the ball. I don't even know who forced it. I don't even know who recovered it. I just to look at the stats. Uh, to, couldn't yeah, no. tell you. I yeah. couldn't tell you what that play looked like whatsoever. I was like, look, Mizzou, oh, another fumble recovery? Uh, that makes sense, I suppose. I'll be real with you. There was, I got, you know, I got my dual television set up there in the basement at home. Yeah. And I had Mizzou, obviously, on the, one of the main TVs and had the volume on the whole game. And, you know, was was locked in, of course, loving every minute of it. But then I also on that other channel, finally you have the the NFL, you know, roping in on Black Friday. So I had that that, that Jets Dolphins game, whatever that was. That was on the other TV. Eventually that ended. And there was like some sort of uh, Garth Brooks concert on Amazon Prime or something. And I I was like, well, I'll put the volume on that because the Mizzou yeah. game, you know, it's out of hand. Done and so I, by the end of it, that's exactly where I was. I was just kind of basking in the glow of the Mizzou win. Not really worrying about the the details of the of the end of it, and how how blessed are we that that was the way that game went for Mizzou fans? Gosh, to to have it end that way, and I I haven't heard anything on this front, but all of a sudden is Arkansas and their AD thinking, 
Um, actually, Sam Pittman. No, no they, they wouldn't. Were they, so emphatic. they wouldn't be doing it. Uh, obviously, they they. Would going think. back on their word, but they it's might. college football. The only place yeah. where it would happen is here in college football, and in the it, SEC in it, particular. Yes. Given what's happened over the last couple of days at oh. uh, in College Station, our favorite town, uh, no <laughs> question. Um, I, I wouldn't be shocked if something uh, all of a sudden reversed course there. But eight seven five K T G R to tell us about what you felt uh, during that Mizzou and Arkansas win. And personally, Andy, I hope that they, I hope they give uh, Sam Pittman the John Calipari contract. Yeah. They extend the man for he's doing a great job. I've quite enjoyed the battle line rivalry in, in recent on, years, so I, th- I don't really year. have any issue. Yeah. yeah, I think you go ahead and you just keep him there, Arkansas. You, sure. He's doing great. A plus. Hey, I myself would be just fine with that. And look, Arkansas fans were quite down bad. We had the uh, the the. The reemergence of the video of the guy who uh, was on, like, I don't know if it's like Arkansas Radio or a podcast or something like that, but basically saying that, uh, oh, yeah, we're definitely, Arkansas is definitely <laughs> better than that team that they continuously lose to. Oh, definitely. They just don't win the game. That's, That's what he said. The, the guy's name is John Neighbors. I do think he does like a radio show yeah. down that way. Uh, but yeah, he, he had some bold. Some bold claims before the season about Arkansas is obviously a better program than Missouri. They just haven't been able to win this game. And, uh, yeah, the, the proof is in the pudding on that this year. I think the same thing happened again. Arkansas just continues to be superior in every way. I mean, 10-win seasons, total wins, conference wins, the head-to-head. They're just better than Mizzou, Andy, and at this point, there's nothing we can do but take our medicine and I know. You know, wallow in our misery of a of a 10-2 season. But, oh, but, wait, but wait a second. Actually, Mizzou's had more ten win seasons oh, yeah. than, Mizzou than had Arkansas. All of those and, things, and, and, yeah, uh, yeah. Mizzou has the look at by any which you uh, judge a program. Look at any metric. Like, I don't know what else there needs to be. Um, it also just I've goes, never seen it. Yeah. I've never seen it. Sorry to cut you off, but no, I've no. never seen fan bases like Arkansas, Tennessee love more to talk about what happened twenty years ago, forty oh, yeah. years ago, fifty years ago than those two fan bases, and I think it makes sense why. If you bother talking about what's happening now, it doesn't look so good for Arkansas and Tennessee relative Missouri, but that's just kind of the way they have to they have to play the cards they're dealt, right? So, well, we used to be better. Okay, congratulations to you, I guess, whatever floats your boat. Exactly. 875-KTGR to call or text us with what you thought about that win uh, that Mizzou had over Arkansas that Arkansas will tell you, that doesn't count. I mean, they were supposed to fire Sam Pittman beforehand. It doesn't count. Like, that's, you know, that's the justification, is that they should have fired their bad head coach before the game. But the fact that they didn't, they were obviously at a disadvantage. So, you know, you don't count the game. Sorry. We're always, it's unfortunate that Missouri is always catching Arkansas on these down years. I, I know, mean, man, every you year. hate to see a down decade like Gosh. they've just had. Yeah. But it's like, you know, how are they supposed to win the game in a, in a down decade? He had Cody Schrader, Andy. We talked about him. He had a, he had a pretty good day, a uh, pretty good season for him. Just kind of doing more of the same. What was it, 217 rushing yards, I believe, season he wrapped high. up? Yeah. Most of them in the first half because yeah. that's really, you know, all you need. I mean, you got multiple drives from Nate Pete at running back and from Sam Horn. This game was over. I think the end of the third quarter, 41 nothing. the graphic, or not even the graphic, but just the video they showed going to break, was just Eli Drinkwitz smiling. And I quickly grabbed a screenshot of that because I thought that is a picture of what this season is right now for Mizzou football. 41 nothing. 
hanging out in the battle line rivalry 15 minutes to go, and it's just game's game's done, game's over, and Missouri uh, Missouri is on the way to a 10 win season. It's pretty incredible stuff. It's uh, it's pretty awesome. And the also, the, also look, uh, Cody Schrader, he's he says he's not chasing records. It doesn't matter to him. Things like that. He very well could have gotten uh, more in that game if he wanted to more than 217. And here's the thing. We're now looking at the all-time charts. Brendan, he's only 115 yards behind Tyler Beatty for the single-season yeah. record. Yeah, like, and Beatty racked up a lot of yards. He racked up a lot season. of yards. He uh, was an animal. And, and Cody Schrader is, again, I think very conceivable, depending on the bowl matchup and you know how the, the script of that game goes. You could definitely see Cody Schrader eclipse that mark, Andy, because, again, it's not like he's doing this against just terrible teams. Yeah, Arkansas is pretty bad. But he did this against Tennessee when they were the number one run defense in the SEC. He did it against Georgia. Cody Schrader, there is no schedule-adjusted nothing with the the greatness that he has put out there on the gridiron this season. It has just been uh, against the best competition in football, in college football. He has had an unbelievable season. And I think that's why you caught it at the end of the broadcast. Eli Drinkwitz on television, on CBS, stumping for, hey, this guy needs to be getting some talk about the Heisman. And I completely agree, Andy. I don't think it's going to happen that he gets an invite to uh, to be on that stage in New York, but I think it should be the case. Yeah. Like Jaden Daniels can win the award. That's fine. I think he's deserving. Yeah. I think Cody Schrader, you're the best running back in the SEC. I think that needs to at least get discussed. So I really like, and again, Drinkwitz knows that him going on TV and saying it doesn't necessarily just speak it into existence but as a head coach that's another thing that his players love about him because Eli Drinkwitz goes out there and he doesn't care about how it's going to make him look or if other coaches or programs think it's tacky or whatever he goes on the tv and says hey this guy needs to be talked about for Heisman that's my dude right there like again we're just kind of getting more glimpses into Eli Drinkwitz and and why he is beloved by this team and and in that locker room I think it's just uh, a bang-up job that he's done this year I can almost guarantee, I mean, I would think he at least gets a few votes. He won't get enough to be invited to New York, but you can vote for anybody. Like think, he, he's, yeah. he's going to get a few, like, especially, it's such a regionally based award, too. You see all these SEC folks voting for the SEC candidate. There I, needs to be some SEC folks with his name on the ballot. I guarantee that, you, know. you there will be some Southeastern folks who are writing Cody Schrader is either, you know, I don't know how many they get to vote for. I think it's three, but I mean, there will if be some. If you're a Tennessee beat writer, you saw what oh, yeah. he did. Yeah. You saw it in person. If you're a Georgia beat writer, I know it can be hard. You get you 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 know. I'm not going to blame the beat writers. Some of those some of those guys that go on TV or find ball. Maybe they're a little different. Story. <laughs> no, go. Let's yeah. let's spark some more beefs. Why I not? Let's just fight everybody. Who cares? Heisman. Let's just say that. But you you have enough people around the SEC have seen in person what this guy does, and I just hope that people don't you know. Say, well, I never heard of him before this year, so I he's not on my radar for a Heisman vote. Well, he should be. Look at the numbers. And he should be uh, again. We, if if not here, Andy, where where is Cody Strader going to get get the stump speech? I'll give it alongside Eli yeah. Drinkwitz if I have to, because this is the this is the time and the place to say, hey, around the country, look at what this kid has done. Take his story away. That was another thing that Eli Drinkwitz said that I thought was absolutely right, because everybody wants to rightfully so trump up the story of Cody Schrader, which is an incredible story to go from D2, walk on, to you know the, the best running back in the SEC. 
But to Eli Drinkwitz's point, it's not just about the story. You can look at the production, and it speaks for itself. So don't give me this is some nice little cutesy story. This dude's a heck of a football player, second in the NCAA uh, in terms of FBS rushing yards. Just so everybody's clear on that, he's he's doing it with his with his production, not just with. Oh, he's a nice story. And look, he's gonna even if he doesn't get the Heisman attention, he's gonna get several accolades coming his way. He's got the Burlesworth locked up. Like, that's his. They've already sent it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I heard yeah, they right. already <laughs> sent it to his house. Yeah, the, I, uh, the I would, I would not be shocked. Former walk-on. Yeah. Um, All-Americans still on the table. Like, he could be a first-team All-American or something like that. Uh, be uh, somewhere the on the list. Yeah, one of the teams. Something like all that. All-conference. Give it give it all to him. He may not be chasing yeah. the awards, but he deserves them. He's going to get And him. it's yeah. he's just a humble kid. That, so, that's what he's going to say is, I, yeah, it's not really about the awards. I'm sure he'd like to have them, but his point and everything that he said is like it's about the team. It, you'll never find a more team-first guy, and that is why, man, I feel great. If if my stock in Cody Schrader was what I bought up at you know beginning of the season when I was really feeling like this guy was gonna gonna continue to show us some things, I'm I'm living large, Andy, because I I think he's just continued each and every week to impress and impress and even with everybody now aware of him he just continues to do it all the way through to the end of the season that's what's impressive that it never changed for him once the accolades came and the feature stories on tv came and all that it nothing changed he just continued to go out and do his job and do it well it keeps wanting to get better and that's the that's why mizzou is where they are right now so 875 ktgr to call or text in your thoughts on mizzou after they trounced arkansas over the weekend and up up coming up in about an hour or so at 505 we'll ask the question what bowl matchup would you want to see Mizzou play in later on this winter we're going to be playing in a bowl game around new year's we know that for sure uh, but what matchup do you want to see who you want to see them face uh, you can comment on our facebook page facebook.com slash ktgr big show if you want to uh, weigh in on that uh, so we'll, we'll get to some of that at 505 but keep getting your thoughts in 875 ktgr uh, daniel texting in one word dominance i don't care where we go as long as we don't get snubbed from a new year's six bowl uh, that would have to be the chaos scenario if that ends up happening just Hell would have to break loose, and the and I do want to I do want to go through that scenario and and maybe get a better understanding for it myself. But I think Missouri is in a good spot, even with a chaos scenario, because I think there's one outcome that I deem impossible to have it play out yeah. and go against Missouri. So I'll talk about that too at five oh five. But I'm very much looking forward to getting into the weeds on that because this is a time where we do this and we do this every year. Andy wonder about bulls, but now there's like a lot of reason to be excited about the answer to that question, to where Missouri is going to end up. Yeah, there's a reason to be engaged in what the college football playoff rankings are going to look like near the top. There's a reason to uh, to be uh, excited about that. So we'll talk about it more at 5.05. Get us your thoughts at 875-KTGR. You can go to our Facebook page, too, facebook.com slash KTGR Big Show. How about the thoughts of Bill Connolly of ESPN, what he thought about the big Mizzou win? And all of the shenanigans happening in college football as we speak, as we get ready for championship weekend. That's with Bill C. Next on the Big Show, KTGR. You're listening to the Big Show Podcast on KTGR.com.
We're back here on the big show, KTGR, KTGR.com, and the KTGR app with Andy, Brendan, and producer Chris. And uh, what a football weekend it was, of course, with the long Thanksgiving weekend. And college football was certainly entertaining all weekend long. And here to talk with us about it is our college football expert, Bill Connolly, over at ESPN. You can find him on Twitter at ESPN underscore Bill C. And get your plus subscription to ESPN.com to read his stuff over at uh, ESPN+. Plus. Let's uh, we'll get to a lot of the playoff stuff here in a second, Bill. But let's start with Mizzou. Wow, um, I, I mean, it, it seemed pretty lopsided from the start. The third quarter happened to make it even more so. Uh, Mizzou just seemed to have everything clicking, and and yes, Arkansas had some some injuries that were very key uh, that that kind of helped it that way. But man, Mizzou certainly did not mess around in a game that they needed to have to keep the New Year's Six alive. Yeah, and, and they were in control even early. Obviously, they benefited from uh, the, the Jefferson injury. But, you know, against Florida, it was really noticeable. The defense especially was just – it felt like the defense was trying too hard. They were going for big hits instead of actually making tackles. It felt like they missed more tackles than they had in a long time. And they responded to that with their most controlled effort of the year. Like, obviously, Jefferson would have made a difference. There was no way he was keeping that game close, though. Instead of 41 nothing or whatever, maybe it's, you know, 34-14 to 14 or something. But um, the, the control that they played with right up until the brawl and then afterward again uh, was, was very, very noticeable, and it won them the game. Yeah, it was uh, certainly uh, back uh, at that point. You were thinking about uh, the tide maybe turning one way or the other, but the Mizzou made sure it just didn't happen. And uh, yeah. again, uh, with with that type of game and that performance to finish off a ten and two season, I mean, you're you're starting at the beginning of the year, hoping to maybe take a few steps forward, maybe seven eight wins. But but now that uh, the regular season's done, and we look back at what Mizzou really put together, especially on offense, to kind of get to this point, what's been the, the the biggest thing that stood out to you and how it happened. Yeah, the offense coming together, especially after those first two games. I, I think just, um, you know, they figured out uh, that you know, they open, they were able to open up the passing game a little bit there over the second half of September, and, and it helped them obviously a ton against Memphis and Kansas State and in those early games. Uh, and then as the year went on, the, the offensive line kind of growing into itself a little bit and then being able to just pound away with Cody Schrader, it got to the point where whatever you were good at, they were going to have an answer for it because they could just do the other thing. Uh, and, and they were going to be able to move the ball. They even, I mean, even against Georgia and you know, Schrader ran the ball well. And so um, it, it, it was, they just, they, they problem solved really well this season uh, and, and uh, they, they reaped the benefits of it. And, and of course, you know, there was some good fortune along the way, obviously. You don't want to count on a 61-yard field goal, even if you've got a kicker who can make one. And over these last four years now, it, it, you know, that first year they went three. They were a pretty bad team, but went 3-0 and in the one-score games and kind of propped them up. Then they got better the next two years, but they were 4-7 and in the one-score games, and that kind of held them down. And then they got a lot better this year and got the bounces in the, in the close game, you know, the good fortune there. And so it all, it all came together. That's the way you want it. Like, I think you take a couple of years of close losses – for when you know, when you get the break that happens with your best team. That worked out pretty well. Bill Connolly of ESPN with us here on the big show, KTGR and KTGR.com. And so now uh, they, they sit back this week, they look at how the championship games play out, and that pretty much uh, determines where their fate might be as far as uh, uh, one of the New Year's Six Bowls. And, and I guess uh, th- there has to be an absolutely chaotic scenario that would that would possibly leave them out, but I wonder if that's even a, a possibility right now, Bill. Uh, in that sense. 
Yeah, I mean, if Louisville wins and Oklahoma State wins, um, you know, that eats up a couple spots. Um, but, but it is going to be – and Iowa, I guess. You know, if, if all three of those teams win, then there's a chance that they get they get the last spot or the first spot outside the, uh, of the New Year's Six. But, you know, that's obviously, you know, like a 2% chance of happening. Even though Louisville obviously is facing a wounded Florida State, uh, the thought of them winning and Oklahoma State and Iowa all winning – not great. So you figure their odds are, you know, 90-something percent of getting into a New Year's Six Bowl at this point. And, and you know, you read the scenarios uh, from all the writers and whatnot, you see pretty much every possibility here as far as which bowl and, and who you're playing against and whatever. But you don't really worry about that right now when you haven't been in a major bowl since uh, 2013, I guess. Then, you know, you don't really care, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it just uh, it's a good thing to be in at the very least. Now, if you were kind of selfishly looking at uh, from Mizzou's perspective, Bill, and you were looking at some of the potential opponents in whatever bowl it might be, whether it's Fiesta or Cotton or anything, who would you want to face? Uh, or what kind of matchup would you want to see this Mizzou team take on? Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on your ambition level. If you want a borderline top five finish, I, I do think Tulane's not quite as good as they were last year. They kind of, they've, They've hit the gas these last couple of games, so maybe they were just pulling a Georgia and saving themselves or whatever. But I don't think they're quite as strong as the team that beat USC last season. So if you're looking for, you know, an 11th win and top five, six, seven, eight uh, finish, then then you go with that. But um, you know, obviously, of the teams we know that were uh, that are going to be there, the, you know, Penn State is kind of an intriguing matchup. Uh, very very solid defense. It'd be really interesting to see how Missouri Mizzou tried to move the ball. But you know, Penn State offense that doesn't make many big plays either um really i think when you've got a team as physically talented and in a major bowl opportunity that that's pretty rare yeah i think you just want the biggest name you can get um tulane you know beat tulane that, that's good but you know if they want to throw ohio state or penn state at you that's uh, you're you're capable of competing so why not for sure. Bill Connolly of ESPN with us here on the big show, KTGR and KTGR.com. All right. To, to some of the other action from, from this weekend, of course, everyone had their eyes on, on the game, Ohio State and Michigan. And, and once again, the Wolverines, uh, uh, pull out a, a big win in that game and they're in the uh, Big Ten championship as a result. So I, I wonder, Bill, I mean, the rankings come out tomorrow night. I would think Michigan probably is still at two or maybe they make a case that they could be at one and hopping Georgia after this weekend. But maybe more importantly, how far do you think Ohio State falls from uh, that loss here? Yeah, that's the main thing. Even if Michigan, you know, whether it's Michigan, Georgia or Georgia, Michigan doesn't really matter all that much. The the key piece is, does Ohio State just fall to the top of the one loss pile? Uh, do they fall below Oregon? I think they should fall below Oregon, honestly. I, I just think, you know, resume and just pure quality. Um, I, I think they, I think Oregon belongs ahead of them. But uh, if they do fall behind Oregon, do they fall behind Texas? You know, like exactly where do you draw that line? Because they just lost, you know, by one score again, uh, on the road against the number two team in the country. They're not falling far. I do think they need to fall to fifth, though. I, I do think Oregon should be ahead of them. Um, and, and we'll see. Or Sorry, sixth. I guess that would be sixth. Yeah. Uh, but I, I would. I think Oregon should be ahead of them. I'm not sure they will be. And, and, of course, it probably doesn't matter because then if Oregon beats Washington the next week, they're probably in anyway. Yeah. Uh, but that is the major question I have. For sure, and and we'll we'll see what the committee feels about that, and it very well could determine in a chaos scenario whether Ohio State backs their way in in, in, yep. in some way, shape, or form. Now, uh, 
Let's maybe talk about potential chaos scenarios. I mean, uh, Florida State and and Michigan and Georgia. Uh, I mean, it, it's winning they're in. If they're undefeated conference champs, that's uh, that's its own thing. But out of that group, maybe uh, who do you think is most likely to to have some trouble and potentially fall from the mantle, creating that uh, uncertainty of who might be in over whom? Yeah, I mean, obviously. Like, yeah, there are, there are three major upset games here. Um, you know, I, I can't even really, you know, Georgia, Alabama is going to be interesting. And, and I don't know what happens to Alabama if they do win and how far they rise. Uh, but yeah, obviously the major chaos scenarios involve um, those other ones. Uh, you know, Washington, Oregon, obviously you, you think we're looking at a, a win in your end situation, but Florida state, uh, they, you know, they are, they're still favored. I think they should probably uh, have more advantages uh, without Jordan Travis, but if they lose, then yeah, you open up kind of a, an interesting scenario of, do you go with Texas? Do you go with, uh, you know, if Alabama wins or, or, you know, that opens the door and I'm not exactly sure how the, that next part plays out. And of course then, you know, you've got Texas, um, you know, playing, playing an Oklahoma state team that just, you know, enjoys adversity so much that it creates a lot for itself in every game, it seems. And, and I told my editor, like uh, the one thing I'm sure about is that Texas will be ahead 24 seven in the second quarter. But after that, somebody's going on a 31 to three run. And I don't know which team it's going to be. Uh, Oklahoma State's either going to win, win outright or lose by 50. Uh, but if they win outright, you know, Alabama, if they don't win, you know, if Texas loses, like suddenly you almost have no choice, I think, but to have Iowa or Ohio State, excuse me, back in the mix. So, yeah, the whole theme of this year has been lots of excitement and few upsets. And if the upsets don't happen this week, then we kind of know how this is all going to look. This could be extremely straightforward, but it wouldn't take there. Are, it wouldn't take more than like one major upset and maybe a minor upset to, to make things awfully wild here at the very, very end. Very well could end up being uh, chaotic at the very end, but it also uh, could be very easy uh, with all those undefeated teams at the top. I think the one thing we do know, Bill, and you kind of alluded to it, is the fact that Oregon and Washington, probably just one of them, uh, are going on into uh, the playoff, which makes that such a a very interesting game on on a Friday night uh, with how Oregon really stomped on uh, a top 20 team in Oregon State and then Washington just kind of sneaking by in their last game against Washington State. I know they were both rivalries, but uh, I mean, it seems that Oregon is trending in the way that they might be able to win the the game that ultimately matters against the team that that beat them earlier. But I wonder just with the Washington factor of how they've been able to just win games ugly sometimes, what's kind of way you see this one? Yeah, I mean, in terms of maturity and perseverance and everything, it's really hard to question Washington at all. They've overcome a lot of different tests uh, over these last few weeks, and and power to them for that. I mean, he, you know, Kalen DeBoer is just an amazing coach. He puts the he puts the game in his players' hands, like that fourth and one call late against Washington State, uh, and it's it's pretty incredible. Um, all that said. Since the Washington-Oregon game, Oregon has been a much, much better team than Washington. And so they're going to have to – Washington's going to have to play its best game since that first one if they want to actually pull this off. Because Oregon – you know, I, I don't remember what the line was the first time they played, but I know my, my SP Plus ratings had it, I think, Washington by two. Now it's got, like, Oregon by seven or something like that. Uh, that's how much the ratings have flipped in Oregon's favor uh, with the dominance they've shown and just the kind of the slog that Washington's found itself in. So, yeah, the, the, the momentum here is – certainly shifted but you know you still got to beat them washington still has a you know 
has it on their uh, on their racket, so to speak. They can still get in if they if they win one more. Yeah, for sure. Bill Connolly of ESPN here on the Big Show KTGR and KTGR.com. So all of those games happening this weekend makes it crazy enough. And then you add in the coaching carousel, which kind of has started as well this weekend and maybe more uh, profoundly at Texas A&M with them, I guess, finally deciding on who they were going to be bringing in to replace uh, Jimbo Fisher. We thought it was uh, Dabo at once. We thought it was Mark Stoops for sure uh, late on a Saturday night. And then all of a sudden, no. Uh, Nope, it's Mike Elko instead. I just uh, the way that it happened seemed very crazy and very college football, Bill. <laughs> yeah, and and they ended up with an extremely logical hire too. That was the funny part of the whole thing. They had this weird chaos uh, that really produced a very normal result. And you know, if you're an A and M fan, you're really talking yourself into you know the best hire that A and M has made since Bear Bryant uh, was. R.C. Slocum, who was a defensive assistant, uh, you know, uh, succeeding a fired and very charismatic uh, weird guy in Jackie Sherrill. Well, Jimbo's the, the weird guy who got fired, and now he, you bring back one of his old D.C.s who did a heck of a job. Like, I, I, I understand the logic here. I think Stoops would have been fine. Um, I thought people were kind of re- rebelling against, uh, you know, just the fact that he's been a head coach long enough to have some ups and downs, whereas Elko's just had kind of a, a two-year stretch here and has and has much chance to prove himself, but has proven you know what, what he's had a chance to do. He's done very well. So I, I think either one was going to be fine. Elko might be a little preferable, but either way, they got a good result after a weird process. Well, uh, I know from experience, it's hard to please Aggies sometimes. So, I mean, they they get what they get. So that we'll see if Mike Elko works out for him in the end. Uh, Bill Connolly of ESPN with us here on the Big Show KTGR. You can find him at ESPN underscore Bill C on Twitter and go read his stuff at ESPN.com with your plus subscription. Bill, thanks again for, uh, for coming on and talking college football with us. Enjoy the games uh, this week coming up, and we'll talk soon. Sounds good. The Big Show is on at 439 KTGR and KTGR.com. Yeah, a lot more to get to on that A&M stuff in Under the Bus coming up next. But before we get to that, we will recap our picks of the week and also the Big Show Thanksgiving draft. And I can tell why producer Chris was especially eager to put both in the show rundown today. What do you mean? I I'm just minding my own business. <laughs> I'm just saying. They just were one of the first things. Like, I was watching it live, and that was one of the first things that popped up in our little shared document today. Hey, we got to talk about this. Uh, and producer Chris made sure that, that was the case, which we will uh, get to up next after this live local sports center. You're listening to the Big Show Podcast on KTGR.com. Hey there, welcome back. We got under the bus coming up in a few minutes, and then the sweetest thing in sports, and then we'll keep talking Mizzou and get to some of what you're saying about where you want Mizzou to play during bowl season and who against. So we'll get to that at 5.05. But before all of that, let's recap the long weekend when it comes to the picks of the week and also the Thanksgiving draft that Brendan, producer Chris, and I have participated in on Tuesday. Right. Drafting our favorite uh, Thanksgiving foods, sides. Let's do picks first. Uh, <laughs> I guess is Chris dictating this because he won both of them? Like, is that really what's happening it, here? I was going to say, yeah. I don't think it like, makes a difference. Which no, this is the win. only power we have left over producer Chris I is just deciding what to talk about first. Up, so we can talk about them first. <laughs> I mean, it, it's I, all the same. It could, it's all the same. 
Um, he won the Thanksgiving draft. I, I think okay. that's the most surprising of the of the two things. Is that oh, what? That's what you're queuing up for winning the Thanksgiving draft. That's yeah. what it was. He had that's what he said. He wanted to play that first because of the whole. Okay. Uh, I don't know what the percentage was, but I know that uh, it was Chris it was in enough. first place, Brendan in second, <laughs> and I finished last. Um, we, Brendan and I could not believe the key lime pie selection that Chris made as his dessert. That was my sleeper is that the name? Is that the name of this song? Is this like the key lime pie anthem? I think that's, yeah, that's it. Right. Yeah, that's why we're... That's right, baby. That's what it is. Um, yeah, uh, apparently it didn't sink him enough to uh, to lose... This no. uh, this draft maybe the rest it did of this help team was him. pretty I good. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we have pretty good pies too. Uh, uh, but in the end, producer Chris wins that, and he wins the picks of the week. He went three one and one in the picks of the week. <laughs> I did it. I got another push. He got a, he, that's his fifth push on the year. I don't know how he's doing it. Uh, Brendan got a push this week too. He was two two and I one. Did. I was bad. Yeah. I was one and four. I had just oh. been rough this year. Um, What'd you get right? I got the Niners right on, Ooh, on Thanksgiving. Smart. The only smart. only thing I got right was the Niners on Thanksgiving Eve. Your Texans, oh yeah, so picking pick with my heart there. If D'Amico Ryan's would maybe off. go for it instead of kicking oh, a fifty-eight Andy, yard field goal with Andy, Matt that Amendola. was lunacy to kick that field goal. We'll probably call it ugly tomorrow when yeah. we do the good, the bad, and the ugly. No, but fifty-eight yards. You got to know your your personnel. And to settle for that opportunity when C.J. Stroud, I know it was a little bit, little bit, you know, kind of questionable, taking some sacks, but he's so creative and can extend plays that I don't know how many more NFL quarterbacks I would take if I needed a fourth and 12 than C.J. Stroud just because of his ability to kind of Mahomes his way for back of a letter word, just like just making things happen when it doesn't look like anything is there. And then they took the ball out of his hands and had a kicker. And that's probably the farthest kick Matt Amendola's had in his life. 58 yards and hits the crossbar. Uh, that's just as far as he can kick a ball. Yeah. And as a coach, you need to know that. I can't believe the I Texans will say, find a way to... If you go back and look at some of the video, they didn't spot the ball in the right place that they should have on that field goal. Oh, no. It should have been a and yard they ahead. Him out there. Oh. They rushed him out there, too. And it was on the crossbar. Inches, yeah, uh, from what would have been a big victory. But, you, know, you still would have lost. For the record, you still would have lost. Yeah, all that would have done was week. tied it. You're right. So I mean, it still would <laughs> not have. Overtime, you know. Well, if overtime, you, maybe saying, maybe they tie. Maybe they tie, and I would have uh, yeah, well, gotten a win there because plus one tied, and a half. But Andy, that your record was still such. That no, Chris yeah, no, no. I understand. Taking no, you. it's again. I was. I had come to terms with that. But I was just hoping for some sort of consolation that would also uh, that fuel my good. my uh, my personal fandom of teams. But I understand. Alas, we'll try again next week, I suppose, um, for the picks of the week. Eight seven five KTGR. If you want to call or text us here, it's time to go under the bus on the big show. This is so Texas A&M and so college football at the same time. Um, uh, Texas A&M, they thought they had Mark Stoops, I suppose. It was being widely reported Saturday night, I believe. Yeah. And then and then late Saturday night, Mark Stoops comes out with a statement saying, oh, yeah, I was being considered for that job, but actually, no, I'm going to stay at Kentucky, which is... 
first of all, great that somebody would choose to coach at Kentucky instead of Texas A&M in this day and age. Love that. I don't think I don't think anybody chose to do that. <laughs> to be completely clear, yeah, well, nobody okay. chose to coach at Kentucky instead of Texas A&M. Really? You think no. it was just a big misunderstanding? No, I think that thing was rescinded, Greg Schiano style after. The, the pushback that was going on when they everybody had thought it was going to be Mark Stoops. I think they offered him, oh, and then man. he got off a plane, and then they said, J- JK, you can go back home. You can go. Wow. I, I don't think he turned it down, Andy. I think he was told, there is no offer for you, sir, after... I mean, because Texas A&M, A&M fans were not happy, which I, is weird to me. That's very weird, I, yes. I think he's a solid coach. Um, I was kind of honestly happy about it because I was worried that A&M was going to get, I don't know, some big name that can make him relevant. And I was also like Jimbo Fisher. glad. Like, well, <laughs> But yeah. I was also kind of like, hey, getting Stoops out of Lexington probably makes Kentucky worse. So for a minute there, I thought well, it was kind of a nice deal. But next but, year... Mizzou plays A and M instead of Kentucky. I believe. I don't yeah, think Kentucky's whatever. on that's their just, schedule next year. Kentucky is not on Mizzou's schedule next year, but that's just one year, one game. Um, it doesn't, you know, okay. whoever you're hiring, it's now Mike Elko. They're going to hope he's there for more than just next year. So I, but I fully believe, and I had some Kentucky fans that were on the message boards saying this is kind of what happened. That uh, yeah, they they just told him you can go back home. I think he actually was on a plane potentially and wow. got turned around that's the scuttlebutt well if that's the case i i prefer to think of it the other way around that mark stoops decided that kentucky Come was a better on. place to coach than it which i actually would think Stop is kind of right i'll bet it's no. very cushy right. under the bus you have just as much ability to win the sec at kentucky as you do at texas a&m and you have much less pressure to do that it. is so true I would- it's the very true. So true, bestie. Is a is a great point on the pressure. Well, you're right on that. You're correct. But, they care uh, more about basketball there. Again, we'll we'll see what uh, what happens with Mike Elko at Texas A and M under the bus to the NFL Red Zone Studio. This was wild. So uh, Scott Hansen, uh, the Red Zone Extraordinaire, who just runs a marathon every Sunday to get you <laughs> primed for Red Zone. Apparently, during the the late slate of games, I think this, this was during Jet, not Jets, uh, Bills and Eagles. So, sirens are going off in the building where they do red zone. Like you could hear it oh, over no. the microphones of Scott Hanson. And Scott Hanson was literally saying at one point, um, I'm being told that I need to evacuate the studio. So we'll probably just leave the feed on for now and we'll update you on when I can be back here. Eventually they said, no, you can stay. Uh, it, your part of the building is not what's uh, under oh scrutiny goodness. at the moment. Um, so he stuck around. But the, the, siren, the sirens kept playing the entire time throughout the rest of the Red Zone broadcast. There were like seven minutes left in the Bills-Eagles game that went to overtime, and it kept on playing throughout the, the entire uh, rest of the night that you watch Red Zone. That game did deserve sirens, though, especially down the stretch. Let's be real here. Uh, it's what that game needed. What? Uh, what? Scott Hansen deserves all of the awards uh, in the business uh, for handling that situation the way that he did. It was fantastic. You should probably go back and watch some of the clips of how he handled it. It was very well done. Under the bus. And uh, also under the bus to Frank Reich, another coach firing in the NFL. Oh, man. This is just the sign of dysfunction in this franchise, I tell you. Come on. They don't know what they're doing. They don't have any idea what they're doing. Direction at all. It's just like worse than the Bears, like actually. No, it's no, worse it, than any yeah. team. 
because the Bears actually have the Panthers pick. Right. Like, if you're the Bears, you might be <laughs> yeah. dysfunctional. It's going to be hard to mess up what the Bears have because they'll get a top five, top ten pick of their own, and then almost assuredly the number one pick from the from the Panthers. That, I mean, th- that's going to be hard to screw up. What the Panthers have going on, I saw some tweets about the owner walking out of the locker room, cussing up a storm, so it, it makes sense. That, I mean, he was apparently pretty heated. And then the next day, the, the first-year head coach, right? I'm not crazy here. They just hired First year. It's, yeah. It's ridiculous. They don't have any idea what they're doing. He was fired from the Colts job around this time last year. Which we thought was premature. Yeah. But uh, it's it, just got to be one of the fastest of uh, an NFL organization yeah. that's given up on a head coach. Yeah. Like, I'm not talking Belichick leaving after a day when he wasn't even ever really the coach. This is crazy to me how quickly they've turned around and fired him. And I, again, last year we kind of said, eh, it's not on Frank Reich. The Colts are just kind of dysfunctional. I'm going to go back to the well on that. I still, he may not be a great coach, Andy, but I think he's a fine coach and probably didn't deserve this one, but maybe a blessing in disguise. I, I think it's toxic, the Carolina environment. Under the bus. We'll say it is, you know, when, when one guy leaves, it, creates an opportunity for somebody else and the interim coach come on Chris, big jim chris Tabor, uh that also is, works. is um a saint joseph native a former mizzou grad assistant got his uh oh, no. got a master's degree at uh columbia college no, that's not good chris news Tabor. he's not gonna he's not gonna have a chance to be the full coach because the yeah, last interim was steve wilkes if you're a mizzou no, former it. mizzou coach and you get the interim job for the panthers they don't give you the time of day they they should rethink that this time around, I suppose, Panthers. I know they probably won't, but nice to see Chris Tabor get the chance. It's time for the sweetest thing in sports on the big show. Sweetest thing is with our friends at the Candy Factory. Get those holiday gifts for your co-workers at the Candy Factory in downtown Columbia this holiday season online at thecandyfactoryonline.com. Lots to cheer about when it comes to Mizzou sports, and that includes Mizzou Volleyball, who is back in the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2020. And how about this? Their first-year head coach, Don Sullivan, named SEC Coach of the Year for right. Volleyball by the uh, by the league yesterday. Congrats to her. Congrats to the team. I know they got some all-SEC selections as well. I believe Maya Sands, uh, libero of the year in the SEC. Uh, good stuff from uh from Mizzou Volleyball this year. First round matchup is against Delaware on Friday at 4.30 in Lincoln, Nebraska. They do get the wow. top overall seed in their regional. Nebraska's, I believe, number one overall. So that'll be tough if they get to that point. But a great season for Mizzou Volleyball nonetheless. Well, I have a Delaware Blue Hens t-shirt that I vow not to wear this week. Okay. Since that's a, their arrival right now, yeah, Andy. Yeah, they are. Not going to happen. No. Throw that in the throw that in the other drawer over there for this week. We'll talk Mizzou. What bowl matchup do you want to see? That's at five oh five on the big show.